So welcome to this CRMG podcast on how to keep your company safe while remote working. Um, I'm Simon Rycroft, co-founder and director at CRMG. Um, and the CRMG, Cyber Risk Management Group, we're a leading provider of information risk and cybersecurity consultancy services. I'm joined by Nick Frost, who is also a co-founder and director at CRMG. And our guests today are our partners at Cyborn, and we have Ashwin Jayaram, Chief Executive Officer, and we've got Tibby Angel, who is Chief Strategy Officer at Cyborn. And Cyborn is a managed detection response organization. They provide business optimization via security enhancement. So a little bit of background for our, our discussion today. Um, threats to remote working. Now, it, it, it goes without saying that this topic is a huge deal at the moment because the world is working online. And probably not just for the short term, lots of organisations we're talking to see this as, to some extent, a permanent trend. And so the cyber implications of that are pretty huge too. Um, at CRMG, our business is all about understanding the nature of cyber risk. And to do that fully, you've got to understand the evolving threat landscape. And this is where Cyborg comes in. So, guys... What's your world looking like right now? What changes are you seeing? Well, uh, from uh, from a technical perspective, we've seen a lot of changes um, in the last two months, um, and this keeps just you know it, it's still very volatile out there. So, what we've seen in March was a huge number of phishing campaigns launched on the COVID nineteen theme. Then this trend drastically reduced uh, by by the end of April, and now it's well, let's say business as usual. So we don't uh, see any spikes anymore. But just to understand the magnitude of um, the scale of the phishing attacks, there have been three hundred thousand malicious websites reported having COVID theme, and we actually estimate the uh, the real number is around five hundred thousand but the local ones weren't necessarily all uh, chipped in in, in this number. Uh, also, we've seen uh, a strong inc- increase in spear phishing. Mm-hmm. What better time to, uh, you know, trick an executive than during uh, a pandemic, right? So um, I guess attackers also know a, a little bit about psychology, and we've seen it through our clients that they pushed for uh, targeted organizations, and I'm talking here about uh, global organizations, they pushed this, uh, this type of campaigns forward. Um, on the more technical part, we've seen a two-time increase in bot scanning for vulnerable VPN servers. VPN servers have been a, a hot topic for work from, from home, uh, but also a 14% increase uh, in scans for vulnerable RDP ports. This is also related to work from home, but more from an IT perspective where maintenance companies had to uh, usually were performing updates on site. Now they had to do this remote. Um, so this is what, what happened throughout uh, March and early April. Now we've seen a sharp decrease in, in uh, phishing scams. We've also seen a sharp decrease in uh, spear phishing campaigns, at least for, uh, for our client base here at Cyborn. However, the uh, the bot scanning the internet, the, the number of scans, but also the uh, the number of uh, bots has been steadily uh, increasing. 
interesting. It, it, it's really interesting, actually, what, what, what you say about uh, the remote the remote basement side, because you know, everyone's thinking, you know, all these individuals working from home, and of course, you've got risks inherent with home working and video conferencing, and um, you're talking about the increased instances of bot scans on VPN servers and, and all the rest of it, and people forget that the whole remote maintenance side has had to kick in as well. There are organizations that have traditionally been able to do you a know, load of their maintenance on site. It's, it's now got to shift to, to online. And that, I, I don't think people appreciate that that's had to react really quickly. Yeah. I think that's a very, very important point because remote workers um, have traditionally not been as prepared for cyber attacks as internal infrastructure networks within organizations. It poses a very unique problem to most organizations where we're almost at a 90%, 95% capacity where nobody is part of the network. Now, this presents two key issues to attackers. One, they no longer have any use for the information that they used to have on internal networks as much as um, they used to. So they have mm-hmm. to rely on, okay, how do we access uh, data that is not traditionally found the right uh, networks? Now, the bigger implication, I think people like you and I, we think about laptops and iPads and phones at home and we work from home and thinking about the networks we connect to, the VPNs we connect to. However, if you look at it from a larger scale perspective, we're seeing a huge uptake in cyber attacks related to research institutions, pharmaceutical companies, and healthcare uh, companies. And that presents a very unique challenge um, in terms of vaccine development that a lot of companies are uh, pursuing right now. Scientists and healthcare workers that are trying to address the pandemic situation, uh, they're being attacked as we speak. And obviously, patient data is at the crux of all of this. And uh, the attacks are unfortunately being successful. And horrific at the same time, because everyone is so attuned at the moment to the, the personal sacrifices that healthcare workers are putting into keeping society safe. And to think that at the same time, you know, the bad guys are overtly attacking research institutions and healthcare providers is, um, you know, horrendous. You know, we, 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 we're sometimes a little bit dispassionate when we think about the motivators threat actors, um, and it, it, it makes it real mm. um, when, when you hear about scenarios like that. Yeah. You know, in the past, when we, when we in CRMG would do threat profiling or risk assessments, um, you know, it was nearly always those environmental threats that were rejected. You know, it was a focus on the adversarial. Um, and now, you know, those environmental threats, um, including pandemic, you know, they're, they're going to be they're going to be part and parcel of any organization threat profile going forward now. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The, the, other, the, the other really interesting point you make is that, of course, you know, fundamentally, the phenomena that we're seeing aren't necessarily new. You know, we, we're seeing a lot of stuff come to the surface for organizations that were not previously traditionally targeted heavily. But then, you know, a sector that traditionally was targeted heavily was the finance, the banking sector. And they always tended to have 
a higher degree of maturity when it came to fiber, when it came to resilience and so on. And there's a lot that can be learned from what good practice looks like in, in those mature sectors when it comes to fiber governance and um, risk management and threat intelligence and so on. As you say, it's, it's, it's not new, but it's, it's, it's hitting new targets who just are not used to being in the, in the crosshairs. You know, if we're talking directly to these farmer organizations or these research institutions suddenly find themselves on the receiving end of very unwelcome activity from Mel's space, what would you be saying to those guys in terms of what they should be doing right now? Well, there, there are a couple of issues and challenges that uh, professionals went through uh, in, this, uh, in the last two months. And I'm not talking only about security professionals but also IT professionals. So uh, from, uh, from our experience as uh, an SOC Security Operations Center, uh, we've seen a lot of unprotected personal endpoints. Uh, we've seen a lot of um, actually a strong decrease in the information security culture throughout the organization that we monitor. And we've seen a different network access behavior, right? And we have this example from, uh, from a European company where the uh, users used to log at 9 a.m. sharp and get out of the system or, uh, from 6 to 8 o'clock in the evening, right? And now we see this behavior is uh, chaotic. So basically, uh, some uh, go online at 8 o'clock, others at 11.30. Uh, some stay up until uh, 4 o'clock. Others don't log out until 12, 1 o'clock. And uh, you, we know that because we have a lot of alerts in the, the SOC. They forget to log out from the VPN and start playing poker online or, or <laughs> other things that they do in their free time, right? And then our, yeah. our stock starts looking like a Christmas tree with a lot of lights, basically. So uh, basically, there are a, lot, uh, a few challenges over here. First, the challenge is that the information security officer to uh, communicate to the staff that they're still active and still doing their jobs. So basically, uh, it doesn't matter if you work from home or if you work from your office, the same rules apply in terms of uh, security behavior. Um, yeah. Also, another very, very important thing, um, we expect to, to see a lot of uh, other attacks coming up, especially on VPN servers. Uh, especially on servers that were configured especially for uh, to sustain work from home. Mm -hmm. And most of this were, were done uh, very, very hasty, very quick, right? You, you needed the availability. What the, uh, that did was actually le left a lot of companies with known vulnerabilities exposed into, in the Internet that can be easily uh, um, exploited by, um, I don't know, let's say a medium-tier hacker, so you don't need a lot of skills to, uh, to attack those type of, uh, of problems. So two takeaways over here. First of all, make sure that your staff knows that, that uh, governance is still there. And secondly, if you've done things in a hurry in March, make sure that you review whatever configurations you have done and not let leave anything exposed either in your internal network or uh, internet facing. Interesting. It's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, traditionally, if you look at um, security good practice, you'll see um, that uh, 
uh, emergency fixes, for example. You know, we always say, look, if you if you have to apply an emergency fix, you've got to do it in limited circumstances. You've got to revisit it. You've got to understand the risk associated with it. And the other point you're making about doing stuff fast to keep availability up, it, it's exactly the same principle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And one last thing, uh, there were companies, uh, especially some of our clients, didn't have the funds to provide uh, corporate laptops to all their uh, employees. Mm. So guess what? We've seen a resurgence of WannaCry that attacks uh, Windows 7, right? <laughs> and that's yeah. because, you know, home users were more prone to phishing just because of their mental state and because they were either because they were relaxed uh, being at home uh, they still had old PCs that couldn't be protected. Yeah. Guess why? And guess why? Because of GDPR. You cannot put uh, a very good endpoint detection and response solution on private computers due to privacy reasons. So then we had all these complicated situations where we needed to keep the network safe, the corporate network safe, while people were working from unprotected personal laptops. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's an interesting one. And can I, I mean, can I just ask a question here? Just going back to what you were saying there, Tibby, about VPN servers, and um, you know, it's pretty clear to me um, that uh, you know that organisations are becoming increasingly dependent on you know webinar technology, similar to what we're using. So, are organisations like you know? Uh, Producers of WebEx, producers of GoTo, producers of Zoom, are, are, you know, are they? Is that becoming easier now for 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 the adversarial attackers to target basically a smaller digital footprint than than previously? Yes and no. Actually, it goes down to things that we knew about. So, uh, if we take a known vendor that had disclosed five critical vulnerabilities and you mm -hmm. set up that server without considering these vulnerabilities, then yes, you will have a problem. Otherwise, if you've done the DevSecOps basically um, very good, then you still don't, don't really have a problem. We were expecting to see um, new vulnerabilities disclosed on uh, on commercial technology, commercial VPN technology. Yeah. So far, it hasn't been the case. We're we're still looking out for it. Uh, we uh, at Cyborn in in our SOC, we still have some extra detection man measures on VPN servers just to spot uh, to try and spot zero days in case this uh, disappears. Mm -hmm. So we're still on standby. We don't think that. Uh, it's going to end, uh, you know, uh, uh, with the pandemic. But as long as you've done the best practice in uh, uh, development and DevOps, then you should be uh, quite fine. Okay. Good. Uh, of course, uh, talking about VPN servers specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been really, really interesting. So what we're saying then is that we're not necessarily seeing new vulnerabilities or attack types, but we are saying we're seeing a much greater volume. We're saying that different types of organization are being targeted where traditionally they weren't. Um, we're also saying that, that actually the disciplines that we need to put in place to combat these attacks and phenomena aren't necessarily new. You need to revisit your cybersecurity hygiene practices, revisit anything you did fast in April, to make sure you didn't introduce vulnerabilities that you shouldn't have done. 
Make sure your employees know that the oversight support is still there. Um, and, um, and off we go. Anything from um, you guys before we close out? No, I think the, the one thing that we're starting to see a lot of organizations realize is cybersecurity is not, doesn't necessarily have to be an expensive investment. Um, there are, we work with a lot of organizations and customers around the world globally, uh, to help them with, uh, cost effective, uh, cybersecurity implementations that range from, you know, threat hunting to 24-7 monitoring and even just looking at their policies and procedures in place. And clients start to quickly realize, well, that wasn't that hard. Um, it was an un- unsurmountable challenge to put some policies and technologies in place to better protect us and our customers. And I think a lot of a lot of organizations start to wake up to that and say, well, what are we doing? How are we going to do it? Yeah, absolutely. We see the same thing, really, and, it, and, and, and we advise the same thing. You know, cybersecurity is not this, this hidden um, sort of golden chalice that everyone's aiming for. At some point in the future, you can achieve really fit-for-purpose levels of protection without breaking the bank. But it is about understanding your exposure, your attractiveness to the target, the value of your information, and taking pragmatic steps to, to get towards where you need to be. I suppose a few observations for me. It's very interesting to see how how the threat landscape has has changed. I mean, um, change in the sense that, as Tibby mentioned, you know, earlier on they were seeing an increase in phishing campaigns, and we've seen that before. You know, when there are big world events, it's the first thing to do. We all know that you know phishing attacks these days are really, really sophisticated. They're difficult to identify. Uh, you know, from attacks that were you know five, ten years ago. Um, I think also what's what's interesting that then then there's been the increase in in spear phishing, um, you know, and targeted attacks, um, and you know, using whatever information may well be available for individuals that are targeted. So you know, psychology is be- is becoming a key contributor to you know to these types of attacks. Um, I, I just find it very interesting to see how this you know landscape, which we know is dynamic. Is, is becoming increasingly dynamic um, with these types of global events. Absolutely. And if I may add, uh, I think uh, behavior will become paramount in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, even here at Cyborn, what we're doing, we're, we're trying to focus on anomaly detection and investigating those anomalies yeah. in order to estimate the best baseline of behavior within the organization. What that did for us was eliminating noise from clients' networks and actually focusing on value-added um, alerts. Uh, by value-added, I mean you get something out of them. Uh, it might be just, you know, a misconfiguration, so then you help your client operationally, not only on security, or it might be a real threat that's endangering the, uh, the network. Yeah. Um, also in, uh, you know, even in everyday life, I think this is going to become extremely important, how we react to uh, what's going on. And in, in this regard, and um, I'm sorry we didn't really have time to discuss it, but detection becomes very, very important. You can prevent a lot of things, but especially if we talk about high-value targets, detection is essential because you have a lot of actors in the market 
trying to target you. And by uh, by actors, I mean either hacker, hacking groups that are in for the profit or your competition, and why not in some cases even uh, nation-state actors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we will be exploring the human dimension um, in future podcasts. So, thank you for listening to the CRMG podcast. The Sideborn team will be joining us again for a second discussion, this time on growing online businesses, their security pains and how to manage them. So, stay tuned for that. Thank you for having us on the podcast today.